I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We're running the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today, because, like, I, I'm, har- I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Alright, there's only one place to start cheddar and that is that Greg Kennedy has been hit with a four-week suspension for what happened in the Kilkenny game. So we all know about this at this stage and we were comparing it last Monday to Davy Fitz coming on the field, interfering and he got eight weeks. You know, Kennedy comes in and for me, just as bad an infraction while he didn't get physical with a player but he completely got involved in the game. So he's only um, getting involved or he's only been slapped with a four-week suspension. So like, I mean, I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Do you think four is too weak for him or do you think that's a fair... Uh, a fair I thought it was about, about fair, but to be honest with you, Willie, I didn't think of the uh, of the other incident um, with Davy. But I, 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 ju- I would just deem interfering with a player and that being more serious. Look, that can lead to obviously much much greater issues in in the course of a game. Um, I think four weeks is, is is enough. But look, it brings it back to something completely different. Um, you know, I suppose why are people out there in the first place? And as a manager, I'll probably talk against myself here in a minute. Um, but but. Um, Look, it was a clever piece of work from from Greg in the first instance, and well, he and cheated. We said which he did. Ah, sure, he did. Like, but you know, if he was Euromare Fern and you were on the sideline, and there was an opportunity to stop in the goal here, and he didn't do it, well, you'd have fairly cross words with him as well coming off the sideline. Um, so look, it was wrong first of all, and um, it's against the rule, and you know, shouldn't be there. Um, I don't think. You know, if he had been in given instructions or something like that, but I don't think that was even the case. Now I wasn't at the match; I was just looking at it on, on the TV. Um, 
I don't think that was the case. Um, so there's you know, there's very little to, to, to back up his case here in this instance. But ah, look, I think four weeks is enough for it. It, um, it, it wasn't going to be free anyway. Um, sorry, I think that's the key point in it. Um, the ref wasn't looking. The ref yeah. wasn't going to allow that yeah. anyway, you know. So it didn't actually stop a goal as such. Yeah, but he was standing in front of him to make sure that wasn't going to happen oh, anyway. Was. So no, he definitely, definitely meant, I think, Greg no definitely meant what he, what he wanted to do. But yes. it, it, it made me think, because Eamon Fitzmaurice was tweeting about this during the week, and he says, while Greg Kennedy incident has brought matters to a head this week, it was no huge shock to me, as Mayor Fuerner role has been exploited for some time, as every team, including ourselves, has sought to push its limits. He says, Tony McEntee was a great man to spot and fill space on an opposition kick-out as he slowly withdrew from the pitch, disrupting the goalkeeper's appreciation of space. J.O. is a good man to drag his backside when required as well. And it just got me thinking that I was a little bit naive. It never really dawned on me. you just see them running in and out and you'd be concentrating on the game and you wouldn't really be... But if they're trying to put goalkeepers off quick puck-outs and they're they're taking their time getting off the field, say on the side of a field that there's loads of space... Mm. Is there any need for these lads anymore, Cheddar? Like, I mean, give it, tell me about the value of them from a manager's point of view. I know, I think there's, I think there's good value in it. And it's very difficult to, to make this work. And look, the rule doesn't really work. Um, because I think the rule is you have to come in, first of all, from the middle of the field. So if you want to go into your full forward, you're running, I don't know what it is, 90 yards to get into him, 90 metres to get into him. Um, and just think of the time that that takes. And, and right across the field. And yeah. right across the field. And you've got to do it um, in a break and play when there's a free being taken. Um, or something like that and look just, just think of that for a minute the free's been taken then the goalkeeper wants to put out the ball quickly and he can't because there's somebody out in the field so it's difficult to see how the thing can work if we're going to allow it in the first place uh, back then if it's Morris it happens an awful lot more than Meyer Fairness I've seen teams using their hurley carriers or water carriers um, to walk onto the field and just put a presence in the open area where a goalkeeper tries to put his puck out and that type of stuff look um, that's gamesmanship. I, I'm less, I'm less critical of that. Like uh, it's, uh, it's obviously against uh, the rules. Uh, and it's, it's the same it's thing. It's the same thing at the end of the day. Similar. You know, it's the same thing. Will at the end of the day? You mean you're trying to um, stop the goalkeeper from putting the puck out where he wants to put it? Yeah. And look, I, I don't really have a difficulty with that. You know, in in life, um, there's legislation and rules there, and everybody's trying to bend them, and no different than in Gaelic games. And you look, you take every. Every um, opportunity you can, I suppose. It's not right. It's games, gamesmanship. Um, but I suppose any supporters, um, if their team is doing it and gains an advantage, then it's great. Um, if the other team is doing it and they gain an advantage, then we're all, you know, screaming blue murder and so on. That This yeah. is life uh, um, as such. But look, it does happen. Um, not a huge amount, but it does happen. Even in club matches, it's happening now. Yeah. But I was thinking the only people that would miss these fellas are actual manager. Because I don't think players really, like, you're under pressure, you're trying to mark your man, there's a puck out coming, and there's a fella coming in trying to give you... you like I, I know my reaction would be, yeah, yeah, go on, stop. You know, you, you don't uh, really have uh, time uh, for that. I, I think well, that, that may be the case in previous years, but I think with, with the way the system's going now, um, I think getting information into the field is very important. And I've had this discussion before. Actually, more important is the information that's taken off the field, um, you know, right, what, the, what yeah. the players are giving you. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I looked at something a couple of years ago myself. Um, I think this will work in hurling. I think football has a problem here because certainly we can mic up hurlers um, similar to the 
AFL quarterbacks and that and, and you can talk to them you know you can talk to your key players let that be 6 or 11 or whatever you know whatever you, you, you deem to be your leaders in the field um, we can certainly look at technology to do all of this if, that, if that's what's needed um, of course there's lots of legislation and all that around these these things as well that you need to you need to get right but um, you know just as a as a as a, um, I suppose a related point I think hurling could fix the issue tec- with technology um, football's obviously be a little bit more difficult one point I would make Woolly um, I think I would allow medical people on the field clearly they're they're well signed now the doctor and the medical people you know they've got, got good bibs it's very very easy to know who's who um, I would let allow them on at, at any time regardless yeah, I don't need it, I don't think the referees needed to call them on now I, I stand corrected on that um, but if a player gets injured in any shape or form and particularly if it's a concussion injury you know do not wait for the referee to stop get on the field and, and assess your player um, so that's the one I think the one area that um, you know everybody management players supporters everybody will be happy enough to see and can Hurley fellas come on the field or I thought the Hurleys were lined up along the side of the field and you could just throw them into them rather than actually get in there no there, there's a certain rules around that as well um, I think if the weight breaks and plays and, and all of that as well no that's quite uh, look at county level that's quite tight that's why I'm surprised right. that that um, and you know linesmen are very very vigilant on that um, even where you stand I mean there, there's, there's certain positions look here's some of the advantages and you know this happened myself where the opposite Hurley Carrier placed themselves beside your management team for obvious reasons. Uh. <laughs> um, you know, and sometimes you have to run them up the field and, 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 and that, you know. So look, everybody's trying to take advantage here. That's the bit, the bit of crack about the game, I suppose. Yeah, no, it definitely is. But it's an interesting one. But any any Mayor Fuerna that runs on the field and gets involved in the tactics of the two teams and get places themselves or talks to any players or physically interferes with players or positions themselves they can't like I'm nearly all for just getting rid of these lads I think I think the cons outweigh the pros at this stage for the game and it's all a bit messy the way they're running in and like mm. you said when you have to go in from the middle like by the time you get across and by the time then the play starts and you're trying to get off and it's, yeah. it's I, a I, terrible mess I, think, me- it, I think it would be a good discussion will yeah. it, to be honest with you I think you know, we've obviously moved on a step with the Merfer and I think that came in sometime around I don't know 2007 or 8 or sometime around then anyway um, I think a discussion on that uh, incidentally you know you brought up the Hurley carriers there I think they're much more important you know you can imagine if you're corner back in the team and you're Blake or Hurley um, and the um, Hurley carrier doesn't run into you to give you your spare Hurley and suddenly a goal goes in well you know you'd have fairly serious words with your Hurley carrier you didn't give a damn whether ever he called you in or he didn't um, you know so I, I think maybe that's a little bit more important I think you could look at it again I think that could be reviewed again but I wouldn't like to blow it out, blow it out of all proportion either um, you know Greg didn't didn't assault any player get on to any player with the exception of Brian maybe yeah. um, and um, you know I don't think it was as serious an incident as interfering with the player I take her point interfering with the player interfering with the referee or anything like that, that that's a very different thing it's a sort of a personal thing really um, so I, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't blow it up too much yeah. um, I think maybe the four week thing will sort that maybe yeah and it, like, it, it's not blowing it up too much I just thought the Eamon Fitzmaurice tweets given an insight into what mm. the kind of dark arts mm-hmm. did. I, w- yeah. I was like I hadn't really thought about that too much before you know so it was mm. kind of like news to me come here John Conlon um, was talking before the Waterford game and he says we get two weeks off and for the last six weeks we just focused on Waterford totally and coming down to put a massive performance in Walsh Park and it just got me thinking that after the league players have six weeks to focus in on one game and then they come out after winning that game on the Monday 
and have another game six weeks later so mentally like I presume management teams will look ahead to the four games and be well planned ahead yep. but players are told absolutely one game at a time if players mind starts drifting to the following week now I know Claire have two weeks off but likes a tip and all these teams are playing again this weekend it's like it must be really difficult psychologically for players and we know visualisation and all these things come into it so you have six weeks to mentally prepare yourself for one game and then you have six days to prepare yourself for the next one isn't it a weird dynamic um, no, yes, it is. And, and as you've described it, it is how it would happen. You know, a management team would plan ahead for absolutely everything. And even in the, in the sense of the type of team themselves and the, that they might need um, six days later, whereas the player will just focus on the game and then he'll be appraised of what comes up six days later. Look, there's some, I, I'd rather, I suppose, um, medical people could, to give the definitive view on this. Uh, but there's, a, you know, a lot of, I suppose, uh, medical science around, uh, you know, what you can remember and, and um, I think there's some things around that you know you remember most of what you have learned for an hour after that certainly after the day after that um, you lose most of that memory and I think there's some some medical statistics as well around that I think at best you can maybe remember six or seven key pieces of information after that you, you just don't retain it anymore and there's some interesting uh, and just I must have read somewhere there's some interesting things of the time of the day that you should receive that information that you can you know hold on to the memory um, and that as well so just to go back to get back on your point Wooly um Look, you, 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 the six weeks that you're leading into it obviously it's an important game to start um, but it's likely that your system is not going to change a huge amount you're not going to throw out the system on, day, on round one with a very different one in round two you'll tweak it maybe for the opposition whatever the case may be so what you've learned in the six weeks for round one will serve you good in two, three and four rounds as well um, and you know you'll have an awareness of the opposition at that stage I think we spoke about this John Kiley made a comment on it last year it's 90% preparation of your own team and 10% awareness of the opposite and look that's the sports psychologist view on things right. um, so so uh, you know I think what John was was saying is was is actually right but it's actually right in science and that as well Yeah okay right well Tipperary are booking the trend so Liam Sheedy the easy thing for Liam Sheedy to do would be to have come in to a squad who's hitting 27, 28, 29, 30 and coming off an under-21 All-Ireland and completely rip up the script, you know, as a lot of managers do. Say you're focusing on youth, buy yourself two or three years and there you are. So you would be saying we're looking to peak now in year three. So immediately by bringing in the young lads, you're, you're, you've, got, you've bought yourself that time. He didn't do that. Now, Noel Connors was interviewed earlier this year and he was saying now you have lads retiring at 28, 29, 30 and it's down to the mileage and demands placed on the body. I don't think you'll have too many lads in the next few years who'll play much beyond eight years at Intercounty because of the demands on the body. Michael Fenley has said last year if I was still playing it'd be a nightmare for me. It's a younger man's game. I see the age gap going down more. Even 28, 29 is getting a bit old now. Then on the back of these comments Limerick win the All-Ireland with an average age of 23.6. So, Liam mm. Sheedy, all the signs were, you have an under-21 All-Ireland team, you've got a team, 28, 29, 30, with a lot of mileage on the clock, who have underperformed for the last two years. Isn't it an incredible achievement for him and his motivational ability to have gotten Tipperary at the pitch they were last Sunday? I didn't think they could get to that again. Um, he deserves a huge amount of credit. Their average age of their 15 last uh, weekend was 27.5, which is higher than any of the last uh, 10 All-Ireland champions or champions the last 10 years. I think there's a number of points in that. You know, first of all, you have to give Liam uh, a lot of credit for getting the whole team and getting the system and all of that right on the day. You know, it's a very, very difficult thing to do, as I've said a number of times. 
Um, but there's a lot of points in that, Willie, and I'll just deal with some of them. It has nothing to do with age. And I, you know, I think Noli's comment was just a general comment as such. Um, and I'd probably much prefer, um, you know, the medical people. I, I would like to give a definitive view on this because I may be wrong. Uh, but I'd certainly like to talk to the medical people or the conditioning people around this. It has nothing to do with age. Um, and in some instances, it may be, a, um, you know, an injury issue, a medical issue. But we don't know whether that's been overloaded from the training of the last six years. Or we don't know if whether it was family history, DNA history. Or we don't know whether it was due to, a, you know, a contact injury or something like that. Um, there is some medical um, um, reports on this. I, I remember if, uh, maybe only a year or two ago, I think somebody in Whitfield and Watford done a, you know, one of the surgeons there done done uh, some reports on this. I think DCU have done some reports on it as well. So so I wouldn't like to just second guess this, but I'd be pretty sure that a lot of the reasons that people are sort of pulling out of 28, 29, first of all, um, just think where society is going. A lot of, no, not a lot of hurlers now are, are going to um, third level college um, so in their earlier years they're, they have plenty of time on their, on their hands L- you know little financial pressure as such although it's not easy um, and um, so they're able to hurl away and then suddenly 23, 24 they probably come into their first job um, and you know and then 27, 28 they're probably looking at their first promotion and to get the promotion they're going to probably have to um, do extra study or you know take on an extra degree or whatever the case may be but uh, that was fine when you're 21, 22 it was full time when you're 27 20 years you're now doing it while you're working yeah and you have a mortgage uh, then too and you have a mar- and that's the other thing it's an economic issue most yeah. of the time I think Wally to be honest with now, you interestingly enough uh, Brian Hogan in the goals is the only Tipperary player that's still in college so they all have these pressures so I he's know, a- been able to balance their life work ba- or their life or uh, sport balance and been able to organise all that and based on the fact that if we're, if what we're saying is right here is what you're saying is right they're in that 27, 28, 29, 30 category where their head might be getting turned mm. by life issues rather than yeah. hurling issues so No, no, they may, they may very well be and look here's where the real gold dust um, is going to happen I mean we, we commented on uh, semi-professionalism and I might make another comment on that at, at, at the end of this piece Willie um, we commented on that this is where the real gold dust comes in um, so you look at your panel you see the, the needs of all of the players it may very well be that somebody is building his house or, or you know and you need to do it yourself to save the money and that or you may be buying your house or something like that um, and you know a supporters club not looking financially but maybe it'll help you out in some other way um, you know of taking the pressure off you like that or if it's study or something like that they may be able to do some, some, some things to help you out Incidentally, it was interesting to see Limerick um, have certainly squared a circle here in terms of the development and development squads and all of that. Um, you know, they've had a fantastic development plan in place for a number of years. Now I see where they're partnering with LIT. And that's a really, really interesting um, topic because, and Willie, you probably could comment on this better, maybe better than me, but, you know, Region 23, 24 or, or whatever, or even, sorry, Region 18, um, development development squads look after you very well up to minor but there's a bit of a gap between we'll say 17, 18 and maybe 21, 22 what college do you want to go to what's the study programme is it suitable for you is there a job available to you in the future is it in your own city yeah. um, so I can see huge benefits here with Limerick and Limerick have definitely stepped up the game here um, you know Cork have had that with UCC for a while um, Watford have it with WIT Turles have probably have it with Turles IT and that you know so they're, they're definitely stepping up uh, the pressure on other counties here how they look after their players yeah I was wondering actually how that partnership would work so I presume it's, it is that career development and career mm. advice so that you're happy in your personal life when you get up to the senior squad and stuff and that's huge isn't it it's you absolutely know? massive you just think of who you're dealing with you're dealing with people with, with 
these are doctorates. They're gone past degrees and masters. These are, are really, really crucial people who can advise you on things and, you know, give you very expensive advice. Um, so so I, I think it, it is absolutely huge. It, it's a huge bonus to have, um, particularly for a young team coming through. Because, look, these are, these are life things. Um, it's a you know, huge decision, your career, is. that you yes, have to make is. at 18, when in my case, without any real help yes, in your school. Correct. You're yeah. making it on your own and you're yeah. picking things kind of willy-nilly. But yeah, that's a good point. What did you want to say on the semi-professionalism before I, we I, move I, on? I, it's funny, I was just thinking to that point after, Willie, and um, I, I think, you know, I made the point that I think maybe full-time professionalism would work and would probably be better than semi-professionalism. Now it, it's going to attract a huge amount of issues. Would the GA go with it and then rent out their grounds and all of that? But if you look at um, soccer or look at any of the uh, major sports, team sports, or even if you look at music, there was a time that, you know, bands and all of those depended on the number of records to sell um, to, to actually make the money to be able to sustain the product as such. And, you know, and the, the, similar with the soccer in England and, and that, um, you know, the teams with the biggest followings and the, big, the biggest stadiums depend a lot on footfall going into their stadiums to be able to sustain their teams. But if you look at hurling, you know, you're going to have Cork, obviously, Limerick, Tipperary, a massive county with a massive following, Waterford with the city, Kilkenny with the city. I know Galway's hurling's more East Galway than the city. Dublin uh, has a city. Um, so it might actually... Work if it were, if you know if somebody decided um, to go full time hurling and and have a guru to be able to take over teams and that and be able to get alignment with you know with GA and with everybody else and got all of these things as as they say it on the country got all the ducks in a row about this it may very well suit hurling more than football because of, the, of you know the population where population is based and that in terms of support not having that cheddar I'm not having that I'm not <laughs> you're getting enough glory in May and June now with the Munster I'm only throwing it out you're there getting now, paid now as well no I'm cutting that off. <laughs> I'm not allowing that that's not going to happen right we'll come back and we'll look at the matches I'd never be allowed to go off in eight and hit a shite like him and you know, a slob or whatever like I was always doing a bit I remember, all I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered in the way in there I threw the ball up in there I don't know it was, it was pure luck no appearance pure luck I had fucking bullshit as you see yourselves So we'll start with Limerick Cork here in part two, Cheddar. And this is, it's a huge game, really. It's uh, Cork could be out pretty much, right? If you lose two games, I can't see Limerick or Tip losing two games, if we're being honest about it, or Clare. Like, I mean, it's hard to see some of the stronger teams. Uh, John Codley was talking during the week. He says, you only have to go back to last year when you saw the challenge both teams put up against each other, whether it was down in Parky Cueve or above in Croke Park. And that's fair. There wasn't a puck of a ball between the two of them last year. Now, on the evidence of last week, Cork have slipped down from the standards of last year and of the evidence of the league, Limerick have kind of raised it up a little bit. Um, look, it's, it's difficult, I suppose, Willie, to, um, to figure out Limerick. You know, the, we've seen that with some teams. And look, look, I mean, look at Tipperary. You know, can you use that um, same evidence um, before last Sunday and, uh, and post last Sunday because yeah. uh, certainly didn't, Tipperary didn't, didn't show that type of performance in the league at any stage um, so I think it is more to do with the setups of the teams and that and you know what I'm really interested in looking at you know, Limerick had a very defined system of play last year which was very very successful and very very difficult to break down and suited the type of players that they have um, but it'll be interesting if you know they'll obviously want to tweak that a little bit and do something different you need to bring something different to the table here because you know all over the winter 
the John Milers and and uh, the Liam Sheedys and all of that will be pr- planning. Well, you know, how are we going to take down Limerick here? And particularly with a team that's playing uh, to such a defined system, with you know so many key players in it, um, you know, you you need to f- figure out um, either your system is going to just overrun the, theirs, or you're going to counter tactic what they're doing. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting. And and I, and I wonder a little bit if that's what Limerick were doing right throughout the league. And you know, have they are they going to come out next Sunday with you know something slightly different because I thought last year um, Seamus Flanagan from the very first time I saw him in the league below in Hurlis against Tipperary uh, there one night he was actually on James Barry and his movement around the field was definitely um, there was a purpose to it and there was a productivity about it um, and he's in my view he's the, he's the crucial cog in the Limerick system at the minute you might talk about two wing forwards stepping back and so on and so on but he's the actual person he's the, he's the, that makes things work for them but strangely enough throughout the league um, even though I know he, he, he was unavailable uh, for some games but uh, there was other times that he didn't make the team and they seem to be looking at the likes of Peter Casey and, and uh, Shane and, and different teams now so I'll be very interested to see and you know, bear in mind that you know I give Paul Kinnerk a huge amount of credit, and Alan Cunningham, and, and definitely John Kiley as well. But particularly Paul in the setup of the team and the way they play, and the roles for each player, and all of that. And 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 um, he's a lot of experience with Clare in 2013. Went with a particular system with Davy. Came in 2014 and came up a little bit short. And I'm just wondering. Um, you know, has he already thought out, you know, something different, not a huge amount different, but something different to, to throw the Corks and Tipperaries and everybody else off their tails this year? I think he will have to, but I'll be interested to see what that is. Yeah, definitely. So how can Cork disrupt them then? So Cork were a little bit all over the place at the back against um, Tipperary. So Bill Cooper obviously was a big loss. He could have filled in at centre-half back while Tim Matney dropped off and maybe Dara Fitzgibbon would have had more licence to go forward. We don't know if Dara Fitzgibbon had a bad, just had a quiet game or was it because of Bill Cooper he had a quiet game. Their forward line didn't function outside of probably uh, Shane Kingston and Patrick Horgan. Connerly Han was in the corner, which he's not a corner forward. Then with that wing forward, what what are what you can just point out so many things that they weren't how they didn't look good the last day. So like obviously the two big issues you mentioned Flanagan, um, their half forward line and their half back line. So mm. Hannon and Dearma Burns like to drop off their men and cover their full back line. So surely Cork have to put Lehan um, on the half forward line along you know along with Harnady and Daniel Carney and put manners on them if they want to drop off. Yeah, but you have to think back to last year, um, Woolley and probably for the last couple of years not now I, I probably would um, separate last year Limerick last year the last two years with the Limerick of maybe the last 20 years but Cork generally have the edge on Limerick even last year they had the edge on them in Croke Park um, so the Cork and in the league this year and in the league this year Cork's method of play causes Limerick problems um, and their quickness to go front foot and the, the protection of possession and, and strike the hand and that is very very impressive they just didn't do it well last Sunday um, and there was a couple of little things about that. Um, you know, sometimes when you uh, go to go very creative and very possession-driven, um, sometimes you might you mightn't work as hard on the basis of the game. Of the game. And I just thought that the Cork defence didn't defend well last Sunday, but certainly their forwards didn't defend well um, in terms of the ball coming out. And I think Cork fell into a little bit of a trap then towards the end, put on Aidan and put on uh, Dooley up front, and then they went long and high, and then Cork, and you know, tip backs actually, that's what they actually like. 
But if you look at the first 20 minutes, the way Cork played it, the diagonal ball into the space and the runners into space and the lot of frees that they created, um, you know, somebody said a tip or cynical, they gave away their free. Now, I don't believe that um, because it's just too dangerous at the minute to do that. But if Cork go back to that game, so, you know, you can have six foot five Kyle Hayes or you could have, I don't care how tall they are, um, if you're not allowing contested plays to happen, uh, well, then your big players don't get into the game. And I think that's what has happened uh, with Cork. I think that's where they have had the edge over Limerick. I think the, there's a couple of other interesting sort of subplots to it as well, Wooly. Um, Cork's backs are against the wall. I think, you know, I think John Myler said that immediately after the game. Uh, you know, bear in mind that if they're to be beaten on Sunday, their last game is against Clare um, at home in Ennis. And that's, you know, you don't want to be going there to, to try and get another two points. And that's even hoping that they'll beat Waterford in the third round. Um, so it's you know sometimes it focuses the mind very very quickly about doing the basics well and and you know doing your job well, um, and Cork have the ability to do that, and I'll probably just go back to your original point about Bill Cooper. He's probably a very untypical Cork player and, you know, has been a little bit maligned, I think, in Cork um, for, for, for any earlier part of his career. But by God, they, they knew what to miss last Sunday when, they, when he wasn't there. You'll rarely see Bill Cooper picking up ball in his own square uh, or picking up ball in the opposition square. He's a 45 to 45 player, so he protects that area. He's a big physical presence there, organises things around there, which allows Darrell Fitzgibbon then to go where he wants to go because there's always a presence behind him. Um, and I just think that they, they would have fixed, um, I think he would have probably fixed uh, um, bubbles, that free man. He may not have done it himself, but he certainly would have organised that. You know, bear in mind him, a man is a very, very young player um, and just may not have the presence within the panel to be able to call people to, to, to these things. What surprised me a little bit about uh, that was that Tip didn't do anything different last Sunday than what they did in other years. They were fitter, they were quicker, they were... Uh, certainly more precise on the ball and that but Noel McGrath has been playing that role for Tiff for the last three years in terms of stepping out and into midfield and picking up the ball and, and knocking ball over the bar from distance so this was just a change of personnel and I'm just surprised that um, Cork hadn't it fixed and you know weren't able to figure, fix it in the course of the game and I'm putting it down a little, little bit that look they were depending on Bill Cooper maybe to pick that up and then pull out Daniel Carney into the middle of the field uh, and let Tim Amani play that spare half-back. In other words, he's carrying the ball up the field and he's the, he's the precision passer. And of course, when Bill Cooper went, they didn't have that type of player on the field and yeah, to be able to do they that. They short-circuited, didn't uh, they? They may have, they, you know, so, so the way hurling has gone, Willie, sorry, it's the general point I wanted to make about this. The way hurling has gone, that you could lose one or two key players out of a system like that and you're going to be beaten and you could be beaten fairly well around the field. That's just the nature of hurling. It's a very dynamic, quick game and look, look Look at the quality of forwards that Tip had. And, and like any day that they get a, a high percentage of possession into their forward, and if that's quality possession, look, they're going to, they're, they, they'll score, as somebody said, they'd score in, in a phone box. Every single one of their forwards, it's not just one or two. Um, so I'm not, you know, I, I don't think that Cork played that terribly badly. I think a couple of things upset him. Um, I think they didn't defend maybe well, just, just the basics of defending, getting on the ball, and, that, and they didn't have that punch coming off their half back line that you normally see with them. Yeah. Uh, do you think Mark Coleman obviously was very quiet again? Um, well, not again. It's not unusual for him to be quiet. Do you think with him on the half back line now, the way the Limerick half forward line drops deep, 
he's going to have a free roll so he really needs to start you know getting on a lot of ball he's a brilliant distributor he can he can score long range points he can make a real nuisance of himself now against Limerick no, there's no doubt about that um, I think that's what they did last year um, and particularly long range scoring points um, you know whatever about you processing ball off the half back line if you're not hurting the opposition uh, John Kiley won't mind too much he'll still keep his players back the field um, and, and let them run from deep Do you know the the, the, the two Limerick uh, wing forward like they're very very uh, Garrod Hegarty and Tom Morris you know, they have great range of running on that and they're able to get back up the field to put pressure on you as well as, as offering a defensive uh, defensive assistance but if your half back is taking the ball and, and you know pinging passes 20 metre passes uh, maybe to Darif it's given and he's pinging it over the bar well then you've got to do something because you're going to you know you're going to spill five or six pints very very quickly in a game like that and now you're on the back foot and instead of being on the front foot and that's not, not dissimilar to what happened with Bubbles um, you know a scoring from distance you know these are very very accurate players that you just simply have to shut down um, you know you, you look at any of the, the 11s at the minute uh, particularly any of them that play out the field Tony Kelly Bubbles TJ, my God, Joe, um, Canning. Joe Canning. You know, are you going to leave him out there and and have lads pick them out with a with um with a, a, a you know a pick a pass and 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 find them and then let them shoot from distance? You know, it would be a dangerous thing to do. Yeah, no, it definitely would. Do you think Damien Catalan has a role this weekend, especially with the height and physicality of the Limerick half back line, maybe centre half back? I'm not sure Tim O'Mahony works there, Cheddar. Like he used to be a forward. He just doesn't seem to have the discipline, and I don't think these games are the games to be learning at new position. Am I too quick to judge him? I, I, I think you are. I think he's a lot of potential. Definitely a huge amount of potential. He's a great uh, hurler. But like, I mean, I made this point on, on Monday. Centre half-back was the one position on a football field. Now, it's obviously of a different dynamic that you, I couldn't get used to just, all right, we, we're stuck for centre-back. Woolly, you go in there. Now, this would be for Portlaoise. And you're all at sea because you don't know whether I'm coming or going. Mm. And then you're back out wing-back the next game and you don't get another go at centre-back. I think you need to be playing centre back coming up through the ranks and to know it inside out like I mean to be a specialist he's not a specialist now he's a very good hurler mm-hmm. and he's a wholehearted hurler and like he does some lovely things but technically it's so difficult to play there and I don't think he has that um, there may be um, some, and that's even more important for hurling incidentally um, I think there's a little bit in that Woolly I think I mean I saw Tim playing below in in the league matching in uh, Kilkenny I think he will be there no he probably has more attributes as a wing back maybe than a centre back but I, I think this is a little bit of what happened last Sunday um, you know the Bubble steps out or Noel McGrath steps out or TJ or Tony Kelly steps out in the middle of the field um, you can't just hold your position then uh, because you're going to get bypassed they're going to put the ball over your head you've got to step back 20 metres and have somebody cover in front of you and then you know you've got to really hurt them setting up attacks yourself so you've got to take ball off your cornerbacks full backs you know carry the 20 metres and then ping the pass yeah. somewhere else and he, I think did that, he did that a couple of times at the start of the second half I think he, he really has the ability to play that Willie. but, but I, I think there was a lot of times he was sort of caught at six and you know look the precision of players now to be able to put the ball where they want to you can be bypassed really really easy so you could be the greatest player in the world but you're not getting on the ball yeah it's a difficult one Where do, how do you see this one going do you see Cork being able to put it up to Limerick no I do I, I think those two factors um, I think two factors I think Cork's backs are against the wall but it's Limerick's home game as well sometimes um, you know it's great to be playing at home and obviously their first home game home serious game probably since the All-Ireland last year there'll be a huge crowd there and a huge Limerick surprise and sometimes that can put a little bit of pressure on, on you as well um, but I think there's one other factor I think if Cork 
um, stick to the way they're playing, but, you know, do it better. Um, and I think if Alan Callaghan is playing, is going to tell us an awful lot. I think if, if they play Aiden or, or Dooley or some of those players inside, it sort of suggests that they're going to go a little bit long. And I think if they do that, they're playing into Limerick's hands yeah, a little bit yeah. more. Um, I, you know, I, I think John Myler should hold his nerve um, and just play better the way they were, the, the, what they've been doing. Do what they were doing last year. Uh, protect possession. Use it really, really intelligently. Um, a lot of good diagonal runs across the field to open up the space. Um, and the likes of Alan Cadigan obviously is, is is central to that. I'm assuming he was injured last week, and if he was, it's unlikely yeah. he's going to well, be right this week. He got injured in the last round of the league, didn't he? He got mm-hmm. uh, an injury, and I don't think of, maybe it hasn't uh, come back right. Yeah. But I do take your point that Cork's system doesn't suit Limerick's because yes. Limerick's system is all about dropping off and and covering space where if you give Cork players space they'll just ping, absolutely. ping, ping, ping and over yep. the bar. So I do think there's a clash of styles yes, here that Limerick yeah. might not like. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And that, that has shown in that, that's what it has shown in the games as well. And it'd be interesting to see do Limerick uh, you know, tweak to counter that or do they start to change it up a little bit to force Cork to do something different. But I, I do think Limerick have to change things up a little bit because um, you know when you play with you know with, with, with a system like that I mean you know, you know clever coaches and managers on the other side are going to be thinking over the winter winter well you know where am I going to place my players to, to, to really cause them a problem and you know the quality of the teams the quality of the Waterfords and Corks and Tips and Clares is so high now um, that you know you can really do anything with your team Yeah I think Tipperary showed how to play against Cork and that's be stuck beside your man and not give them the options for this kind of fantasy kind of lovely little ha- hand uh, pass and uh, break uh, them down because uh, uh, when when you have that forward line closed down instead of dropping off Cork mm. looked like they didn't really they ran out of options they got a little bit of space in their full forward line out, under sta- out on the left hand side but they didn't get too much space uh, in the I, half I, forward line I, I wouldn't read it as definitively as that Willie. Um I, I just I'd, I'd have some still a lot of concerns about the whole tape back line to be honest with you I thought in the end Cork played into their strengths a little bit Um but I, I think just it's just that Cork need to play at a higher intensity. Their tackling needs to be more intense. Um, their basics of defending need to be a little bit better. It's a small little bit of everything. It's not just throw the kitchen sink and let's start again. Um, and I'll be surprised if John does anything different than that. It's just um, you know raising the game, I suppose, raising the bar, that old cliche, um, all over the field in every position. Um, but I do think that. Uh, cr- critically their tackling coming out of the, the forwards ne- needs to be better um, and uh, you know obviously the, the defending needs to be tighter in that as well but uh, you know I wouldn't read too much into tip I think uh, you know there's lads, lads uh, crowning tip All-Ireland champions already um, I, I, you know I didn't see enough to say that anyway I still think ah, there's yeah. concerns in their defence yeah okay fair enough so who, where, where do you fancy who do you fancy in this Cork Limerick game who are you going to go for quickly look I think if, if Alan Cadding is playing it it sort of tells me that Cork are going to go with a particular style and, and if that's the case I think the fact that their backs are to the wall that they have to produce a performance in every position um, might win the match for them and bearing the history of the last couple of years I think if it's not I think Limerick will win it alright okay great stuff so am I, I'm on the fence on that <laughs> you one, are pretty much yeah Cheddar you didn't come down either you, you can claim next Thursday you got it right no matter yeah. how it goes how what way yeah. it goes um, alright next up we'll do Paddy Power predictions Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up now because <laughs> there's no such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. Um, but you didn't let Jamie talk at a, at a hurley launch one day. Yeah, but hold on a second now. He was at a hurley launch, you know. 
Yeah. You know, I, there's I, a media I, ban if you can't no, talk no, about it. Absolutely not. I think you guys need to do your job. Don't depend on us guys for quotes. You know. Okay. Go ahead. Earn your living like the rest of us. But if he's at a media day and he says to the media that I'm not allowed to talk, then right. he's obviously on a ban. Well, I think he's carrying a mixed message. All right, Paddy Power predictions, and we're going to start with Leash and Antrim in Amore Park at 3 p.m. Cheddar, you were in O'Connor Park. Hugely positive result from a Leash point of view to go to O'Connor Park, run up 4.24. I'm forgetting about what they conceded here to stay positive. <laughs> but, like, I mean, any time you go there and get a win like that, that's, that, that was huge. On paper, probably the, equi- the joint most difficult game of the whole group. Yes, um, no, it was a really, really positive performance. And look, they had to dig it out as well. You know, awfully showed great spirit. Um, and, you know, Leash had to had to dig in there to actually get the win. And I think that, that the latter part will serve them well. You know, it wasn't easy. Um, they certainly looked impressive. Um, Leash's touch in that. Um, you know, they've obviously done a lot of work. Looked, looked you know, very, very good first touch, good movement. Um now you might be a little bit concerned that the score they conceded was a little bit high as well but look the score that in O'Connor Park against Offaly on any day uh, against an, any Offaly team is, is good shooting and good scoring and they probably missed a good bit they missed a lot of free they, they, they missed 11 free or 11 wides in the first half um, you know which you know the, the, that'll, that'll get sharper I think as they go along so um, you know obviously as a leash man delighted with the, with, with the win um, and sets them up really really well for the rest of the of the Joe McDonough um, they're playing Antrim obviously um, on Saturday in Port Leash and they've been close games over the year over Leash the years. usually win them though don't they? They do but there's been, never been a whole lot in them and now Antrim have won some of them uh, Molly there's never been much in it um, but I just think that you know Leash are uh, and they've, you know, they've a good panel of players you know all fit um, um, and I, you know I do expect them you know you'd want them to push on from here you know yeah. you get a win like that get a bit of momentum behind you and you want your team then to really go for the juggler here and, and go for it. Yeah, so by all accounts talking to Brian Carroll awfully depended an awful lot on high ball tactics which Leash were well able to to figure out and probably expected it. Um, what about Leash? What are we looking at with Leash? Like I mean are they mixing up? What kind of style of play are we talking about here? Ah uh, yeah, no. Just to go back to Offaly, um it was a little bit that way, Woolly. All right. I mean, t- I mean, Owen Carl took some puck outs to his corner back, and he landed him down, uh, you know, into the full forward line. Owen Carl can reach that; he has that range himself, no yeah. problem. So you'd wonder why you do that. Yeah. Um, and look, even just poking it to your corner back allows your defence then to drop ten meters. By the time the ball's in the air, by the time you get it out to your corner back and he picks it and strikes it, that allows your players ten meters then to get into the position and that. So, so you know, and if you're going to go short of that, you need to work it down the field. And shoot from distance and then suck out the leash back yeah, there's no but logic to that right? there, uh, there isn't really no um, but, but you know, I, I thought Leash mixed it up well um, I thought they picked the pass at the right time and that you know maybe some better decisions on, on that um, what about t- dropping back lads back it doesn't look like they have a half forward line that's going to be dropping back too far they're playing their six forwards in position no they did they did. but look that you might look at that from match to match as well you know you, 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 you wouldn't drop half forwards if you didn't need to let's put it that way yeah um, but look, they, they certainly have some, and even the likes of them, some young players that are, that are technically gifted, um, you know, that even didn't start the last day. So I, I think they have a lot to work with and a lot of quality players to work with. And, and um, you know, getting 
um, performances into Joe McDonough and building on that, similar to Carroll last year, would be hugely important to the development of the team. They're still quite young and, and um, you know, it would be very, very important to the development of the team. Yeah, OK, great stuff. Who do you fancy here? Leash just leash to shade this one? I think, the, I think yeah, Leash is at home and that as well and the momentum, you know, hope, you'd be hoping that they build on the, momen- the momentum from last weekend yeah. and really push on from here. OK, great now, stuff. Now, on the other side of that, Willie, um, I've great regard for Antrim hurling and, you know, there's a, there's a huge um, interest in Antrim hurling. There, the interest in Antrim club hurling is probably more than any other county in the country and you know sometimes it would be surprised that their county doesn't push on considering what's you know what's, what's available within the county um, and they had a great win they had a fantastic win last weekend as well so they're in the very same position they'll use that as a launch pad as well to push on Yeah Paddy Power has Leash at 1-2 to two and Antrim at 15-8 to eight. so we'll go with Leash in that one the other big game of the weekend obviously the, actually you could say the joint big game it's at 2 o'clock on RT is Tipperary and Waterford Paddy Power of Tip at two to five favourites. Waterford five to two. Before last weekend, those odds I'm sure would be a good bit different than that after Waterford reaching the league final and Tipperary having an under power league. Like we say during the league, Cheddar, you just can't bloody that's why we don't analyse games during the league. We keep qualifying it by going, you know, we don't know and mm. you try to talk about teams in general rather than what they're actually doing because you're right, Tipperary were a completely completely different team. One thing was interesting I thought um, was Tipperary rotating their forwards, right? And this is an old Eamon O'Shea um, tactic mm. that wouldn't be like too new, but it definitely had Cork at sixes and sevens. And number one, they shouldn't have uh, been so naive about it. But number two, what do you think Waterford will do if Tipperary do this again now? Have Waterford got players, should they just stay in their positions and doesn't matter who you're marking? Or should because if you put one or two man markers on men, then the rotation messes up because nobody, everyone's mm. confused. So you either go and stay in your positions, you're well able to mark whoever comes on you, or you say follow them. So there's t- you've really two options. There's no in between, mm. is there? Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. Um, look, it depends on the, the type of player you have yourself. First of all, look, some players are fantastic in a certain position or on a certain line, and uh, you know don't maybe don't perform as well when they have more space or less space. Um, uh, so that depends really, and and there's a little bit of that in water. I suppose you know um, Parg has has, uh, Conor Prunty and Shane McNulty back into the back line um, you know, they can move outside. They're halfbacks too. Prunty is anyway. They can, but they're big players in that as well. Um, you know, and you'd wonder with the movement of the likes of John McGrath and that. Um, but oh look, yeah. they probably are well set up for the likes of Seamus Callan and Jason Ford and that. You know, you do need uh, physique to be able to match them. Otherwise, that they're just they're, they're just going to bully you off the ball. Um, so I, I, I think no, it's not as similar to Cork. You know, Watford know they've got to perform. And you know, I've seen Watford hurl really, really well in, in, in Turles on different days and against different teams you know whatever it is the, the, the you know I, I don't think Welsh Park doesn't suit him as much. I think it was an Anthony Daly or somebody made a comment you know I can't really believe that um, um, and I might go back to that point in a minute I don't think it was to do with the pitch I think it was to do with the setup of both teams actually um, we might talk about that in a minute um, but but um, I think Walford have got to step up, and uh, you know we're you know we'll we'll see I suppose on Sunday you know how far Cork were off the pace of Championship hurling needed at that level. Um, so I, I think you know I think there's not going to be much in it, but I do think that you know tip, when Tip get a bit between their teeth and they get that um, you know forceful, um, intense hurling going, they're, they're they can be quite difficult to beat, and they just seem to have that at the at the minute. Um, so you'd probably have to give it the tip based on what we saw last weekend. But you know, Waterford have have serious serious panel as well, and you know, Fives come on last Sunday again, a quick defender, a good quality defender, to have quality there to be able to bring in. Um, and you look, 
I'd say Parry will have learned from last Sunday. You know, I was I was surprised to see Tony Kelly being given so much freedom. We spoke about it earlier on. Well, look, the same thing's going to happen with Bubbles next Sunday. Yeah. And, you know, unless in Tipperary you try something different. Um, so, you know, they've been forewarned yeah. um, about how to fix these these things. So, Tyg de Berka has been playing centre-half back. So, against Tony Kelly, he didn't really follow him, which is a huge mistake as far as I'm concerned. You're given the player of the year, a former player of the year, a free role. Nobody wants that. And that's all right, maybe in football where you can't score from that distance. But Tony Kelly's just getting on loose ball around midfield and sticking it over the bar from long range. So there's no, I don't think there's any logic because when you look at it, Austin, there's one thing you're saying, right? When he drops deep, someone else pick him up. But you don't want to give Austin Gleeson that job. You don't want to give Porig Matney that job, who was really quiet the last day, by the way. And Mikey Carney just kind of runs, kind of gets industrious himself without picking mm-hmm. lads up. So it was confused by, by yeah. at least when Ty de Berker used to drop from centre half back under Derek McGrath. Mm-hmm. You knew someone with that middle third was being swarmed and, you know, they weren't going to get handy ball there. But now mm. it looks like Tyke de Burke is still dropping off. But nobody's collecting his man as much as it used to happen. I know. I, I think just from listening to other analyst Woolley, I think um, Conor Gleeson was to pick him up. And I think when he went... Um, I think there was some some error. I think when there that didn't didn't right. work earlier Gleason on. Gleeson was marking Colin Galvin. Correct. Would have thought yeah. he would have had enough on his hands, really, because he's the playmaker. He's kind yeah, of well, the playmaker. I mean, it would be dropped, but there's no way you'd, you'd send uh, Tyke de Burke out to mark him. But I think what was very interesting that has got very little uh, um, airtime was the setup of both teams the last day. I think it was the first time that I saw something along the lines of a goalkeeper. Two in the full back line. It, it was like, in, you know, when we look at some of the soccer setups, we look at 4-4, four, four, whatever it is, 3-1 or whatever the hell it is. Uh, but this looked like something 1-2-1-3-2-1-2-1-2. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Um, you know, so there was a real different type of setup on both teams right to up, up the field. Yeah. Whether that was dictated by Clare coming in there, they certainly learned a lot in the league game. Whether that was dictated by Clare or not, um, you know, we're not going to know, obviously. But, you know, obviously it caused Waterford uh, some trouble to try and, and uh, you know, change around their resources to, to actually match that. And sometimes when you try and do that, you're sort of on the back foot already. And, you know, in other words, you're reacting to what they're doing and you don't really want to be in, the, in that sort of space. Um, but, uh, you know, somebody remarked about, you know, the Waterford, the Wells Park being so small that there was no space there. I think it had more to do with the way the teams were set up. There was a lot of space um, from the 30 metre into the end line on both sides of the field so that must have told you there was an awful lot of players in the middle third uh, and I think looking at the setups, you know it's unusual to see it like that but I've, I've said this a number of times over the last year Woolly. I think the day I've seen six at the back two in the middle and six up front um, are, you know are over you know you're, you're, you're unlikely to see that anymore you're probably going to see a real dynamic movement of players all over the field with maybe a spearhead up front do you think Waterford are struggling for an identity a little bit because they've no long ball option the two Bennets don't go up with the hand they go up with the hurl and they generally make their runs and they get it out on the wing around the 45 metre line Hogan is small so the long ball option is gone working the ball through the lines they can do that but you wouldn't say that's their identity like I'm struggling to see what the Waterford identity kind of is like they, they might go kind of wide to the two Bennets and then they get it out in the wing and what's the plan from there you know because you can't run off someone's shoulder when you're winning it on the wing so you're kind of stuck with one of them winning it out there and maybe playing it backwards again and it's I don't know I just feel when it wasn't until Morris Shanahan came on that gave them a focal point um, mm. JJ's not on f- on Monday was 
wasn't on for starting him neither was Brian Carroll I would absolutely start him because he gives you that he gives you that ball that's going to be won towards the middle of the goals rather than always out in the wings and working through I'm, I'm just struggling to see how Waterford can hurt Tipperary because we think potentially the vulnerability in their half back line to pace mm. Waterford half forward line doesn't have pace their full forward line doesn't have aerial ability <laughs> I'm trying to think how they can hurt Tip um, look, go back to your first point, Willie. It's very, very difficult to change the behaviours of three or four years, um, and I'm sort of talking about the system of play. But look, at the end of the day, the system of play depends on the way you, the, the, the jobs and the roles of your players, and it's very, very difficult to do that. And bear in mind, you know, Watford have been doing that now for three or four years, and this has been the start of this team. Um, so they've started with this. It's not that I've played something different before that. If you take out the break and, and some of the older players, um, and the second point I'd make on that is Ballygunner plays somewhere the same way. You know, so there's a lot of players on, on the panel. County champions for the last three or four years in Waterford um, so it's difficult to change to something completely different let's put it that way um, and I think you know if you look at Limerick the first year they struggled to to get a different system of play going and uh, you know you could say they, got, they, they were quite average the first year with the same management team in place and look where they went last year so it will take time is the point I wanted to make on this to come to a definitive uh, way of playing which is different from what you've done before but is equally you know is, is a good way of playing I think they have the quality to do it. Um, you know, the, the Kevin Moran's, the Park man is the the the, the um, Gleasons and and all of those are all quality players who have won things at underage and have confidence uh, to be able to play in big games. Um, I just think it'll take a little bit of time. Um, I, I I do think that you know they may not be able to maybe move to the way Cork play um, you know it may be a little bit more traditional I think of the players to play that they are big players that can contest ball um, and you know I take her point about Shane and Stephen that you know they're not huge air game players but they are big players and uh, uh, you know physically big players yeah. um, and I think it might just take a little bit of time for Parik to get the right team on the field to play in a certain way um, and you know you make the point about uh, you know Carney um, you know how would he fit into that he obviously didn't fit into into uh, Derek McGrath's way of playing um, and you know Tommy Ryan the same so they have a number of players that are um, very quick uh, um, you know fast skillful players Tommy Ryan and Carney I'm thinking of in particular and then they have a lot of uh, players that are you know bigger players the two of Bennett's Aussie and, and, and that that are bigger players um, you know so you've got to figure out um, what's the best team I can put in the field and what's the system I can play that suits that team the best and I think they'll, they'll need a little while to figure that out Yeah they'll, uh, like it, it is going to be interesting my my theory on it is is that Mikey Carney and I've said it before that he drops into midfield and he's one, un, unfortunately most of the big counties have a centre forward that'll hurt you and gives like he mm. gave Jack Brown no questions to ask so Jack Brown just dropped off him mm. and it's like let him forage out there he's not going to hurt us on the scoreboard too much and I think that just was a big, like it's a big mistake because your centre half forward has to ask those questions of the opposition. And while Kearney's industrious and everything, if I was a centre back, I'd be like, I'm letting him go. You know, I have a free role and he's not going to damage us too much. Yeah, but I, I think, and I wasn't at the game, Willie. I'd love to be at the game because it was one game I would have loved to went to do just to see the tactical, the way they set up and yeah. who was picking up who. Uh, but I think Kearney would have been actually picking up Shane Amori, um, maybe more than anybody. Um, but look, you may, because 
because you know Watford were, themselves were going to have Shane McNulty as, as the spare man in their own full back line. So you know, in 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 in, in essence, the word Boehm are going to play with a sort of a sweeper. The thing about it is, how are you going to hurt them more than they hurt you? Um, but look, I take your point that you know I, I've seen Carney play a lot, and I was often wondering why you know he didn't nail a, a you know a full time place on the team and that. And he's a very industrious player around the field. Um, but if you have that type of player, they probably need to be very productive. And you know, if you're looking at the ideal for that um, role, you're looking at bubbles last Sunday. You know, what did he score? Point from play, uh, from out the field, getting on that type of ball. Um, so you do need to be clinical um, with the possessions you get, because at the end of the day, you probably are a free man going around those areas. Yeah, no, definitely. I think Conor Gleeson is nailed on to Mark Noel McGrath. Anyways, I think we'll agree on that, will we? Ah, uh, yeah, but uh, again, you know, so how, it's not. Well, obviously, it is the person um, because they're going to have to do the same for for um, Bubbles if he plays the same type. Somebody's going to have to do the same for for TJ Reid, uh, you know, whenever he's in these positions or Joe Canning. I mean, all these yeah. players. But Gleeson will have his hands full, Mark and Noel McGrath, and in, and on his downtime picking up Bubbles. <laughs> uh, he, he, <laughs> like, he, he will, but I know I think it would be full time job. You wouldn't, you wouldn't. I don't think the quality of those players, uh, Willie, you wouldn't just. Uh, you uh, never do it. You'd never no. do it. But look, if Jamie Barham takes up um, um, Noel McGrath, Noel McGrath could be trailer. <laughs> Jamie Ballon around the field yeah, and you know give him something to think yeah, about yeah. exactly yeah yeah maybe that's the way it's going alright so the, like I said the bookies or Paddy Power have that 2-5 to 5-2 five, five to two. who are you going for there I think Tipperary momentum behind them crowd behind them and looking at the performance I don't think they're the finished deal by any stretch I think their defence will be put under pressure at some stage but I think just the momentum behind them will get them over the line but I think there won't be much in it yeah ok we'll have to move through these ones a little bit quicker then so we've Dublin Wexford in Parnell Park that's at 3 o'clock on Sunday the Dublin are four to five slight favourites Wexford 5-4 this is a 50-50 game for me between two teams who are slightly off the top teams and can't get enough scores to beat them but they're very these are two very very evenly matched teams yeah no it's a, it's a huge game actually for both of them um, for different reasons um, Wexford are playing away to Dublin their next game if I'm stand corrected I think away to Galway um, and then they're at home to Carlo and I think Kilkenny um, you know, so they can't wait until the last game home against Lilkenny to be sure that they're going to they're going to get through. Um, Dublin, um, you know, played very well uh, for a long period of the game last weekend. And look, it's in it's in the nail as they call it in town here. Um, you know, and they play very well. It's a very very difficult place for other teams to play. They have a fantastic record here yeah. against really really good teams. Not necessarily with this team, but going back a number of years. Um, and you know, you'd expect them that 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 they would you know, build on what on three quarters of the game um, last Saturday evening and build on that and come out with a, with a win but Wexford needed it as well um, and you know sometimes you know there, there, there's, there's a counter argument that is play a game um, you know shake off the cobwebs and really go for the following Sunday but then there's the counter argument where you're fresh coming into the game and you can come in with something new and that you know yeah. so um, look it's a difficult one to call I, I think the fact that it's in Parnell um, is a major bearing they're very very difficult to beat there and they have to win as well and um, I think they'll sneak it I, I do think for them to develop though they they just need to get you know easier scores um, you know you just think for a minute of the the and I'm not necessarily talking about the role that that um, Bubbles plays or Tony Kelly plays but the ability of some of those players to be able to score in very 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 tight conditions um, is what Dublin are missing a little bit they're very industrious with a really, really good system uh, good management team um, but just being able to be able to score in tight situations to get themselves over the line and they're going to have to, to figure that out Yeah well they'll have the answer of what to do I don't think they played a sweeper at all against Kilkenny which 
which might have been a surprise. Sean or Moran went across. Sean Moran went across onto Mernon. I think uh, Adrian Moran. Adrian Moran there. I think he did at the start of the game. But Wexford yeah. will give them the sweeper, so Moran will have his free role that he really likes. Yeah, um, I, 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 I think they, they do. It may not be the sweeper. Like you know, my definition of the sweeper that his starting position is off of the D. Um, so he's facing the ball, um, whereas uh, Sean Moran's a lot of the time is coming back into the play. Um, and, you know, he's sort of an extra distributor rather than a sweeper, I suppose. But anyway, um, I, no, look, you're right. It's probably going to be forced on them anyway. So both teams are going to be well used to playing it. Yeah. Okay. So you fancy Dublin here? I fancy Dublin. I'm going to stick with them. I fancied them last week. Me and Michael Carton were wrong, and you were right, um, Cheddar. Michael Carton hasn't been seen since that big uh, confident prediction for Dublin to be Kilkenny away. I fell into the trap and went along with him. Who? Are you going to go for there I, I'm, I'm going to stick with Dublin I think the game last week will stand to them and uh, Parnell Park will stand to them again when it's a 50-50 game those two things might tilt it that's, in there that's how, I, that's how I would see it as well Willie yes ok great stuff Carlo 12-1 to against Kilkenny who are 1-50 to no disrespect to Carlo but the handicap here is 11 they were so good against Galway away only 6 points in it we can't see them beating Kilkenny can we but we can see them beating the 11 maybe I know can't see them beating Kilkenny look look um, Look, Carlo's going up the road from Kilkenny really is nearly a home game for Kilkenny but again Carlo are very very difficult to break down in Carlo and there's a real spirit about him at the minute you know and very good management team a good panel with some good players to come into the field and that um, and you know obviously a good system of play to go to Salt Hill I don't care if Galway took their eye off the ball this is twice in the same year to go to, to Galway and to put it up to them it's massive in the it's championship now this is yes, no league is. game this no is I absolutely champ- agree with you yeah no, like, I, 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 thought, I thought it was a brilliant performance and, and you just Simply love to see them build on that um, and and push on. Now look, like I just cut you off there. I couldn't see Westmead awfully or Leash going and getting within six of Galway in the championship. Could you? Uh, Are Carlo gonna have taken a step on those three counties? No, they look to have. I said that um, last year, Willie. That to have, yes. Um, now, whether they can step up then to the next level is a sort of a different discussion, really. It's it's more to do with looking at the you know the long term view of the development of hurling in Carlo and 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 that. And you know, I'm just going to make this comment here because um, I'm constantly beating this drum, and I don't want to be in that space all of the time. But here is a county that have worked really hard. Um, this team didn't they weren't just bought in or they didn't just fall off the shelf this is a development coming up through minors and under 21s that have had three or four good years under 21s so the, the, somebody in Carlo has worked really hard at developing, developing their team and put them in the position that they're in is now not the time for somebody to say look let's really get behind this and make sure that it's sustained for 20 years because if it isn't it, it, you know, it, it, it's more than likely that it, it'll just fly yeah, by flash and in the pan. it'll be a flash in the pan look we've seen it so many times I suppose we're just basing, basing it on that um, but look fair credit to, to them and it would, you know there's, I guarantee you there's nobody no Kenny person will be taking this easy next next weekend they'll be dead serious about this yeah exactly right we'll go for Kenny and that one last one then is Westmead and Offaly this is in Cusick Park we haven't seen Westmead yet in the Joe McDonough but they are um, league champions Offaly are in serious serious problems here Cheddar this is 5-6 to six Westmead Offaly are 6-5 to five outsiders Offaly lose this and not only to follow on the embarrassment of going into the Joe McDonough the embarrassment of getting relegated from the league they might not even make the Joe McDonough Cup final if they lose two in a row yeah, no, it is a massive, massive game for Offaly. We've spoken about him a number of times, uh, Woolly, over the last year. And that um, it's hard to find new things to say about Offaly, isn't it? Like, ah, uh, well, look, you just somebody said you are where you are, and um, you know you've got to just recognise where you are and fight to to, to move up. 
um, I, I just I don't know I just think there's a, there was a spirit in them last weekend that if they bring it into Mullingar and Mullingar is like like Parnell they're very these are just difficult places to play Westmead play well you know, I remember they've beaten the Kenny in under 21 championship hurling in Mullingar and it's a terrible pitch there's a Dunstores one end and you don't know whether you're coming or going or how far you're out from the goals it's yes. right on top of the goals yeah no it's, very, it's a difficult place and to play and there's and apartments then down the other side which gives you a completely different view of where the fucking goals are yeah and look more than anything else, but look, it should be the same for all players. But Westmead do seem to play well there, and they get the crowd behind them there. Um, and they've beaten awfully. I was at the, actually at the game two or three years ago that they beat awfully in Championship in Mullingar. But I just think that um, you know if they get enough ball into Joe Bergen and Oisin Kelly and Shane. Um, I know. Having said that, I'm going to talk against myself here because Westmead probably have the best full back in hurling at the moment in in in. in uh, in Tommy and and you know so so maybe he might hold Joe Bergen if he does the West Meter a big way there. See that's the thing, but it has to be good ball into them because the information I'm getting is that they were just boomers and sure, like I mean, you're not going to you're not going to be getting much joy if you're consistently doing that, right? Uh, were, but uh, I, I think you know if the three of them are in there, they're still a handful. Well, I'll put it this way to you: um, I'd rather get a lot of ball into them, um, and you know because they are they have a good air game. Joe Bergen, uh, um, Oshin Kelly, and Shane, and you know Connor Mann was in there for a bit at the time as well you know they've got, they've got they're very very strong in the air um, so I, I just think that Offaly will sneak out of there they just know the importance of this match they've had a match last weekend um, it's hard to know the uh, psychological impact of losing to Leash in the first round and knowing that you know I'm sort of I'm sort of under the defensive already it's hard to know how that affects some teams and some teams have the experience and maturity to be able to just take it on the chin and move on again the next weekend and give it their all other teams they, they buckle a little bit under that type of pressure um, but I, I just think that awfully you know I'm going to go for awfully in this game I just think that they know the importance of the occasion uh, long term as well as short term and that they're just going to give it, give it everything they have and I think that might see them over the line OK, we'll disagree on this one, Cheddar. For what it's worth, I'll, I'll go for Westmead because of the Dunn stores and the, and the apartments at the other end. All right, great stuff, Cheddar. We'll be back with Joe from Paddy Power next. All right, Joe, we're going to start with my accumulator. And now let's just say the Samaritans are not rolling in dough after last week, unfortunately. Um, one out of four got destroyed on Dublin got destroyed on Cork um, and what was the other one I got wrong I can't think right now yeah there was, there was so many wrong I'm not sure which ones there were anymore <laughs> but, uh, look, there was no beginners look for you but sure we'll give you plenty of chances over the summer anyway anyway so this week my four team accumulator is Dublin I'm sticking with Dublin I'm not going to abandon them yet Leash to beat Antrim uh, Dublin obviously beat Wexford Tipperary to beat Waterford at home and Limerick to beat Cork at home even though Cheddar has kind of changed my mind a little bit on that but I'm going to stick with Limerick so that was 5-1 to one and Paddy Power have put it yeah I've just put it at the 6th one for okay. you there Colin we're always trying to find you a little bit extra extra value and a bit of boost on your odds so that's applicable to anyone who wants to take you up on that as well that's on the site ok great so so like I mean you'll know that after getting washed out last week I've gone for all favourites just to win so I'm not trying <laughs> no messing around 5 to 1 shot no more messing around right what's John Milan got for us this week 
yeah, John's got a few more uh, a few more tips or a few more bets in this week again. So what he's looking at um, in just the win column, he's got Tipperary, Limerick, Kilkenny and Wexford all to win, which was 4-1 to one, and we just pushed it out to 9-2 to two a little bit. It's similar enough to your own accumulator there okay. as well with just a couple of changes. Um, he's also got one on the handicaps, so the handicaps across the four games, Limerick minus 2, Waterford plus 4, Kilkenny minus 11 and Wexford plus 1, which was 11-1 to one, and that's just been pushed out to 12-1. to one. And then finally on John, he likes to go for the, the, the long odds goal score bet so uh, one of the ones he has this weekend across the four hurling games is Jason Ford Colin Fenley Aaron Galan and Rory O'Connor all the score a goal at any stage in the games this weekend was 33 to 1 and that's been pushed out to 40 to 1 OK no chance no <laughs> chance of that come. here a quick one now with John Milan if he, if he fancies Wexford to win then Wexford will be minus 1 not plus 1 yeah no? but it's just, he's just picking the handicap like they're the set handicap oh that's so the set handicap yeah, yeah exactly alright OK right and this is a good one hashtag what odds paddy yeah, so obviously on social media you can uh, you can hashtag what odds Paddy and and the uh, the lads in the, in trading will get these priced up for us. So there's just one that I noticed there before it came in. It's John O'Dwyer, John Bubbles O'Dwyer, and and Seamus Harnady to score ten points or more combined in their two games, and it includes goals at thirteen to two. So if, if last weekend's anything to go by, they should easily pass that by, and you'd fancy one of them to get on the getting the goal scorers list as well. Yeah, I like that one to be honest. Like last week, they would have scored one nine between them, so seven and one two, so they would have. Been up to 12 oh, that's a good that's a fun bet isn't yeah, it exactly, like, that's yeah, a bit different keep, keep you in, bit, a bit interested it's 13 to 2 as well so not bad exactly exactly right so the matches on Sunday then I've gone through the odds with uh, Cheddar already so Tipperary Waterford what do you think is a decent bet in this one yeah let's have a look at it there I think Waterford are, are huge prices I'm sure you probably discussed like they're they really kind of have to win this weekend they've got no other choice if they're to if they're go two games down they'd find it very difficult to get out of Munster so one thing I just looked at there is Waterford to be leading a half time at Tipperary to win the game a full time is 4-1 to one. so you'd expect, like that. you'd expect Waterford to absolutely hammer into them anyway and Tipperary might be feeling their cocky selves after last weekend and it could take yeah. them a while to get going so that's one I'd keep an eye on a 4-1 to one there um, and then kind of similarly to that uh, well Tipperary to win the game overall and both teams to score a goal is even so obviously Tip being 2-5 to five isn't much of a price you'd expect both teams to probably bury one at some stage and then Tip still to win is, is at evens there and it wouldn't actually just look out on with Tip obviously with their huge win last weekend they're sort of the talk of the hurling world and they seem to be back in form with Liam Sheedy at the helm so for Tipperary to win Munster and the All-Ireland in 2019 is 15 to 2. Okay, right. Okay, Cheddar says he wants to see more Tipperary before he's going to make judgments. He's not as excitable as I am, as as you know. Right, Limerick and Cork. I've given the odds already in the last section. So what else are we looking at here? Um, one of the bets that we've talked about a few times before in tight games we've either team to win by 1-4 to four or for it to be a draw is that 10-11 to 11 there again I mean Limerick and Cork there was, they went to extra time in the semi-final last year I know Cork have started the championship off fairly poorly and Limerick seem to be in great form but you don't know what they're going to come with yet and they haven't had to meet anyone in the, the red hot heat of championship so yeah. I think that could be a that could be a good bet in, in a tight game there um, a couple other ones there with two of the two of the best goalkeepers in the game in goals this weekend between Nash and uh, Nicky Quaid there a penalty be missed at 9-1 to there was a lot of penalties dished out over the weekend and they seem to be blowing fouls fairly easy so if there is one to be given I could see either of those keepers pulling off a good save at 9-1 to might be something to look out for 
Okay, so missed or saved is the same thing. So why there a save? There's no little yeah, kind of small uh, print on this, is there? Oh well, the only thing you'd have to be conscious of is over the bar. Is it a miss? Oh, it's not a miss. No. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. All right. So that's an interesting one. Um, anything else on that one? There's a few Galan ones here. Galan anytime goal in Limerick to win ninety five is pretty good one. Yeah, I think it's not bad at all. There, I think it, well, just Galan. He's been in flying form so far this year between Fitzgibbon and the league. He seems to be kind of the dominant forward in, in the game. And you think he's going to get a couple of chances at some stage anyway. And if Limerick are to win the match, you, you need him to be doing the business. So I think that might be one to look out for as well. And just on Galan, he's fifteen to two currently for hurler of the year. Might be good to get on him before the championship starts because if he pulls out another man on a match performance they'll only shorten so yeah okay Carlo Kilkenny pretty obvious um, based on the odds who you think is going to win this one but there's more more uh, bets that you can make in this one yeah well I suppose Carlo were the the big moral victors over the weekend to a certain extent I mean obviously they still lost the game but they put in a huge performance against Galway down there and I think to, to beat the handicap again this week would be, would be a good achievement and Kilkenny are bouncing off their good win against Dublin there and it's a nice local rivalry but there won't be any quarter asked or given I think so Carlo to beat that handicap again would be great but obviously you're, you're looking at Kilkenny to win the match realistically so if you wanted to look at any other bets there Kilkenny to score first lead at half time and win is 4-6 to six. Um, TJ Reid anytime goal is 5-4 to four. he got 2 last weekend and then there's another little one that's on the uh, on the site there is um, Kilkenny to be the highest scoring hurling team on Sunday is 9-4 to four. so obviously there could be huge big scores put up over the weekend but if Kilkenny are to, to really put Carlo to the sword you think they run up a big enough score yeah. so 9-4 to four, that could be a, could be one to see I like that one too yeah. they're good ones that, they should really right they should yeah yeah you'd think that naturally that they should be able to rack up the biggest score but you, you just never know how good yeah. end Carlo on a tight pitch there and Dr Cullen now they might hammer into them and try to keep it keep it low scoring but we'll see how it goes yeah and Tip scored what was it 230 or something 228 against, score, yeah, against Cork yeah. ok Dublin uh, Wexford this is the closest one probably of the weekend yeah it's a, a huge game I've seen in both teams season and it's it seems to be probably the closest to a toss of a coin we'll have this weekend at the moment it's a tough one to call I think but it, it, like Dublin just have to win they've made Parnell Park somewhat of a fortress over the years no hurling team likes going to play in Parnell it's very tight pitch I know they didn't get over the line in a couple of the games last year but I think they've been building and building and really I suppose for Dublin hurling they kind of have to win the game to a certain extent as well I mean if they were to lose this one it's probably another Leinster Championship season gone um, so one thing we've just looked at here is Dublin to be ha- winning at half time and full time is 15-8 to eight, so you're nearly getting 2-1 to one there um, and then I think I think it's going to be a tight game either way but I do fancy Dublin to just about get the business done so Dublin to win by 1-3 to three is 7-2 to two. so again it would just give you a bit more value on the odds there to, to get it over even since it's over 3-1 to one. Um, just from a Wexford perspective that I think Conor McDonald's probably most likely man to get on the goal, goal scorers list this weekend so him to score any time is 7-4 to four, and for Conor to score the first goal of the game is 7-1 to one. OK great stuff Joe thanks very much you know about it alright we'll be back on Monday with a review show as usual we'll talk to you then good luck And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.